This is Cody Smith, and you're listening to the Create Yourself Podcast. What's going on, you guys, and welcome back to the Create Yourself Podcast. You guys, today was an interview that... Um, I got to do with the guys over at the Elbows Tight Podcast. This was an amazing conversation. We jumped into all sorts of different topics. Um, one mainly that I'm super passionate about recently is just the, the lack of strength training and conditioning inside of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. A lot of practitioners just don't do it. Um, it's something that is is kind of been shunned from that entire community. So we jump into that. We talk about my journey into coaching and fitness, my time at the CrossFit Games, and then, uh, of course, uh, my, my history as a martial artist. Um, it was a great conversation. We got done with this thing, and we, uh, we had a conversation about me coming back on because we easily could have taken this to like a two- or three-hour show. It was an awesome conversation, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear it today. Now, do me a favor before we jump into the show, go ahead and take a screenshot with your phone, go ahead and post on your Instagram story, tag both the guys over at the Elbows Type Podcast and me. They are at Elbows Type Podcast on Instagram, and I am at the CF7C Coach. The reason why I ask you to do this is because I want to know who I'm reaching. I want to know who's getting impacted from the information that I put out and who's enjoying the conversations that I have on the show. The next piece of this and, and thing to remember is that um, podcasts, you know, we live, we eat, we breathe off of feedbacks and reviews. So go ahead and head on over to iTunes. Give me a five-star rating and review. Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know about guests that you want to have on the show. Ultimately, just want to see who's getting impacted, like I said, and who's getting um, some sort of information and value from the stuff that I put out. Now, without any further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into the show, and we'll see you next week. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. Today, we have our great friend, Cody Smith. How you doing today, Cody? I'm doing fantastic, man. Just glad to be sitting here with you guys. Got a good workout in. Man. Got a nice cold line of kugels going here. We're good to go. <laughs> Starting <is> off good. <laughs> <laughs> also, we have John, as usual. John, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, man. That's good. That's good. Hey, so before we get into a little bit about Cody, we're going to go ahead and just jump into the beer of the day. John is staring at his beer bottle pretty hard. Man, I'm like, can so I pronounce this? <laughs> but... uh. I think you heard it earlier. I got a liner Lugels, a summer shandy, which is a uh, beer brewed with honey and natural lemonade flavor. So you, far, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. But you really have to get close because it's a clo- it's a, a paper label and it's wet, so it's kind of hard to read. I yeah. literally drink yeah. this beer all the time during the summer when I do have one, and I never knew I had like honey. honey. Really? Like, oh, it's good beer. It's got a little lemon taste. Yeah, it's oh. got. A, I can taste a little bit of the honey, but it's definitely more yeah. lemon than anything else it tastes like an unfiltered beer too i like that yeah it's good. yeah this is actually pretty good it's a uh, really light what's the alcohol percentage 4.2 4.2 oh we ain't getting drunk tonight thanks a lot cody no man we gotta be we gotta be even keel and know what we're doing and know what we're talking about gotta 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 bring the value for these people exactly i don't know about that but <laughs> 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 hey so real quick like i said earlier we have our uh good friend cody smith a little bit about cody uh he runs the create yourself podcast if you guys haven't listened to that, it's a great show. He also is the owner of Pacific Northwest Jiu-Jitsu, CrossFit Seven Cities, which are connected together. It's the school that we go to and the coach, uh, the gym that I coach at. He's also a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai fighter, former MMA amateur fighter, right? He was the original champ champ as, a, as an amateur, right? Didn't you hold the belt in two different organizations, um, two different weight classes? and. <laughs> 
It's so weird to hear like my accolades. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I actually held it in three different ones. Oh my god, the triple <laughs> champ. Yeah. So I held a uh, middleweight title and then uh, two different light heavyweight titles, and um, yeah, it was a good time. Dang. Yeah. Also, what was your record? What was your record? As uh, I was I was eight and zero. Eight and eight and eight oh. oh man, I wish I could say I was eight and zero. Oh I'm actually god. undefeated in competition, like jujitsu and. Um, MMA, which is why, like, I should probably just stay retired. I was about to say, do not come out of retirement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, he's uh, uh, like I said earlier, he's the owner of CrossFit Seven Cities. As a CrossFit coach, he has also produced two regional athletes and one athlete that actually made it to what the 2017 CrossFit Games. So, yeah, if you guys yeah. don't know what CrossFit Games is, in the world of sport, CrossFit, the CrossFit Games is the highest ranking thing you can do in CrossFit sport. Right. And so it's very selective, super hard to get into. And Cody's actually had someone go there. Also, yeah. she was nationally ranked weightlifter and all around badass. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. <laughs> like when you really think about it, when you really think that, you know, Casey was able to get to the CrossFit Games. Yep. Uh, I mean, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are trying to get yep. that accolade. And the fact that like when you really think about it, the percentage of people that are actually going to go to the CrossFit Games to see that she was able to overcome and do that yep. is actually really insane. And I, and I guess the, I don't really give it much thought and really sit down and think about how big of a deal that really is. Yeah, absolutely. But it's huge, and it's, it's yep. a huge accomplishment. And, I, and I'm sure that's something that she'll forever, like she'll remember that forever. Yeah, absolutely. And it was super cool knowing that she made yeah. it to the CrossFit Games, knowing her and knowing she's from a small town in Kitsap County. Right. Like, and then here she is in, at the CrossFit Games. It so. was cool to like be. It was cool to like be in the stadium and one. Uh, see like the gym's name on her jersey and yeah. then like when she runs out on the floor to hear like Casey Campbell of CrossFit Seven Cities like for me that was uh as a coach being there with her is like the pinnacle something that from day one of coaching like how cool would it be if I had a person right. across the yeah game? absolutely and yeah. then you're in the background and you're like fanboying over all the yeah. all the other coaches uh, and see, athletes and I stuff. wasn't though and, and I actually talked about this on a on a on an episode when I got interviewed for the first time the the, the guy's name is uh, Tommy he has a podcast called the T Clark mm -hmm. Nutrition Podcast. Is and the he, T for, like, testosterone? <laughs> maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he, so he asked me, like, how was your time of the games? And I was like, I, I think he was expecting the conversation to go somewhere differently because my, my time of the games as a coach was actually a very uh, – Stressful. Well, not, like, oh, not only was it stressful because she was stressed out, but it was, a, it was pretty much a letdown for me when I got to really? like, meet some of these coaches. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you're like, man, you seem so cool online. And I love your programming. And you're totally not. You're totally not. Yeah. You just got to think mm. the, the situation, too, right? Like, they're not really there to meet and greet and, mm. and whatnot. But well, I'll tell you a story. So um, there was a specific coach that I have. I followed his podcast. I, like, consumed his content. I've even did several of his programs. And then um, he, had a con he had an athlete on the floor. Well, he had several athletes there, obviously. Yeah. Um, one of them, he had a very, like, weird relationship with like they're really touchy-feely and like you know, he's also married he's got kids and so it was like that was a weird thing that I, yeah. I obviously I didn't get to experience that until I was there but then he had an athlete one in his stable that wasn't performing well at a, at a specific event and I saw him like throw his hands up and walk off the walk out of the um the competition area and that's not what he preaches he preaches yeah. like how you need to be a good coach and you need to yep, be there yep. for their athletes mm -hmm. and you need to make sure that you're there to reinforce them when they're not doing well. And he did the complete opposite. Right. And, and that happened a lot more. I even saw coaches that had athletes that were participating in like an event and they wouldn't even go to their event. What? Wow. They're at the CrossFit Games. It's kind of like if you need a coach at any point in your life, yeah. that might be the time, right? Right. I was at every event 
on time, cheering my cheering my athlete on, and watching her perform, whether she was last freaking place or there was a couple times where she won her heat, like whether she won her heat or was last, I was still on the floor, and it was yeah. just it was very disheartening to like see, and, and it kind of sucks as a coach now because. And it's what really motivated me to start like putting out my own content and stuff is because all that stuff's fake. Like, yeah. It's not real. Yeah. Like I, I legitimately will go to any athlete who asked me to to watch them perform, whether they're sucking up the field or they're doing the best they can. Yeah. And it really let me down to see the people that have the biggest audiences, that have the biggest following, to just be full, like just to be full of it. It's not true. It's not real. It's not what they actually. It's not who they are in person. And it, and so that's my time at the games, and that's yeah. something that the uh, the host I'm sure was like. Ugh. Oh, psycho. <laughs> it's, pro- it's probably a, a good reality check, and yeah. Maybe, yeah. The, maybe the stress was hitting everybody. Yeah, and, and something like when, when we have, uh, you know, we have athletes that are aspiring to go to the CrossFit Games or what yeah. used to be the regionals and stuff like that, and, and it's a pretty hollow place. Like the, oh, yeah. At, and, and unless you're, like, top five at the Games, you're, you're not getting anything fun- financially from that. No. Nope. If you don't do well, sponsors will drop you. Like, it was just kind of like, what are you doing? Um, what are you doing this for? And, and – Unfortunately, I think with the change in the competition season, people are really having to do um, some digging deep down to be like, like, why am I doing this? Because yeah. it's not th- like it's not like they're out looking out for me or, or right trying to help me to be better in life if I don't perform well. That is right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Kind of yeah. like uh, how I feel like that's how Brazilian Jiu Jitsu competition would be too. Like unless you're high up there, winning big name tournaments and going to worlds and whatnot, like. There isn't much there. You're risking injury or whatever to to pursue something that I don't know. We talk about it uh, when people come to you and they're like, "Hey, I want to go. I want to compete in CrossFit." And you're like, "Well, why? Mm-hmm. Like, is there? A, do you have a legitimate reason why you want to do it?" There has to be it? a reason there because it's it's not easy and it's not easy on your body, right? No. Like to push it to that level to get to where you need to go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a as a 41 year old man. You know, if you wanted to compete in CrossFit, well, they have they have the masters, right? Yeah, so, but yeah. those even those guys are crazy. You must just have to have a drive for that. Yeah, you know, something's got to be pushing you. Right. Yeah, and I think that's why Cody's like, what What is your why? Because yeah. we're not going to get into this unless unless you have a why. But that's everything, though, right? Right. Like, even jujitsu competition, like you hit on it a little bit too. Like, if you're going to go compete at jujitsu, like, let's be honest, like CrossFit is something that is going to better your body depending on how you approach your workouts and your training. Jiu-jitsu, I, like, you, you went through your accolades of, like, all your injuries that you had done. <laughs> yeah. like, Shoulder, toe, Yeah, finger. like, I was like, dang. Like, yeah. I, if, if, if I made a list, there's, like, five or six things on there. Yeah. So you got to think about it. Um, you really have to love jujitsu for, like, a specific reason. And if that reason's not strong enough, you're, you're – is, t- is taking your body through the ringer the best option for yourself? Yeah. Like, for me, jujitsu is very meditative. It's like, you know, some people can sit and breathe and be quiet and, like, get inside their mind and – quiet things down and get some relaxation from that when i roll i don't get anything like nothing else is going through my mind yeah. other than where's my hand go yep where does my foot go what is he thinking about doing what am i going to do next and if that doesn't work what am i going to do after that right and there's nothing else going on so for me jujitsu is very meditative so that's why i would do it i don't know that i could achieve that same meditation level in a competition which right. is why i'm not going to compete right right yeah. right so let's go back a little bit on because you obviously started jujitsu because of mma what like, where are you from, and what made you want to start punching people in the face, man? Like, <laughs> so, so there I was. Um, it, I hope my friend Paul listens to this because he, you could say that he's actually the reason that I started jujitsu or I started anything. Really? Yeah. So before I joined the military, uh, well, I will say, <clears throat> before I went on deployment, 
we used to watch UFC. Right. That's what we did. That was something my buddy Paul was so into it. He used to watch Ultimate Fighter. That was what he was all about. And <laughs> we would have a few beers on like most days of the week, yeah, like most yeah. Navy guys do, right? right? Was Paul Navy? Um, no, no. Oh, he okay, was, he was just, I mean, we grew up together. Yeah. Um, he just had a baby also. Yeah, I saw that. Um, so he actually put me in a gay team, like near passing out. I didn't <laughs> even know you should tap out. I was like, he's going to let go of me, right? <laughs> <laughs> Am I supposed to tap? What is this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And eventually I was like, and then he let me go. Um, but it was, so that guillotine is what put in motion wow. um, me doing a combat sport. So, you know, we went on deployment. I got into working out heavily. was doing the bodybuilding thing. And on deployment, the Marines would go. I was on, a, I was on, I was on an amphib. So mm -hmm. the Marines would be down in the hangar bay and they would be doing like the Marine Corps martial arts stuff. And I, it started by me walking by and like, oh, it's pretty cool. There's a bunch of Marines out there and they're like wrestling, do all kinds of stuff. And then it went to where like I started sitting and watching. And then it went to where like they would do like open mat times, and I would like uh, I worked out with a couple of the Marines in the sorry yeah. I worked out with a couple of the Marines in the gym, and it was like I talk with my hands, so like I do stuff here. Um, <laughs> I was working out. With I, sometimes Marines. I'm talking and people I'm like doing this, and people are like looking at my hands, and I'm like I don't know what to follow it. And I go time. yeah yeah yeah, it's just how I am. Um, so we started to be jumping in with the Marines, and then they were started showing me some stuff. And then when I got back off deployment and had done a bunch of grappling, a bunch of rolling with the Marines. Um, uh, my buddy Paul tried to, try to he tried to want some get some right. Not up in here. Not up in here. Um, and then I armbar crap out of him while we we're drunk, and it was awesome. <laughs> uh, but I was so intrigued by like, hey, look, this little bit of training mm -hmm. completely changed the the game and how absolutely this person can approach me, right? Even though he's, I mean, we're just having fun, we're buddies, mm -hmm. right? So it went on to like, okay, I'm gonna find a gym, and this led to there was a, a gym that had actually just opened up around my old um my old house when I lived in Portsmouth, Virginia. And it was called the Eastern Academy of Martial Arts. So at the time, it was ran by Alan, who came here and who had yeah. given, given me my, my, my purple belt. He was just a purple belt. And the, his business partner was a guy named Greg, who ended up being my, excuse me, man, this beer. Mm. It's making me burp, too. That's, that's that unfiltered. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so Greg was a, a two-stripe blue belt, and Alan was a purple belt. I think he had maybe a two-stripe or something like that. And they yeah. had just opened this gym. And their black belt was a guy by the name of Wase who was under Salo Hibero and uh, Salo, I forget. I think he's probably a Hoyler, a Hoyler black belt, I think. Uh, anyway, so it, they were just an up-and-coming school. The student base was very, very small, so I went in and joined. And, and you know, <laughs> it's crazy because it was like $230 a month, and I just started with jiu-jitsu. Yeah. $230 yeah, I wasn't a even, month? I wasn't even doing Muay Thai Ooh, with them yet. They would have lost me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, I'm, I'm a Navy guy. I pay uh, $400 yeah. a month for um, – $400 a month for like rent and I was I had roommates and stuff. So anyways, uh joined this gym and what was really cool about it is I was in OS in the Navy, right? So operational specialists they look at globes. Basically just stare at a uh, sweeping radar for like hours and hours <laughs> and you want to gouge your eyes out. <laughs> the, um where was I at? So because it was an up and coming school, there was not a lot of students. They did a 12 o'clock roll <clears throat> and then they did jujitsu Tuesdays and Thursdays at specific times but you can see some of the parallels with right, why we have right, our yeah. schedule right it's just all i knew for years so i would actually go and train twice a day because i got off work at like 10 30 most days as right. an os when we were in port so i would go and essentially just get pummeled by mm -hmm. alan and greg as a white belt and then this went on for like a year to two years then they moved to a bigger location when they moved to the bigger location i decided i wanted to get into the stand-up side got into the stand-up side and then that went into where um I had my first light or my first, I decided like, I'm going to fight. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a, a cage fighter. And then I had my first fight as a heavyweight 
and I smashed the guy. Like it stopped really? in the first round. Mm. Yeah. So it became like, wow, like I'm kind of good at this. I have a I have good attributes for this. I'm gonna keep going with it. So kept fighting, kept doing the thing, and ended up like deciding like, okay, I'm kind of big, but I'm getting pushed around by a lot of guys. And at this is at this time I was training jujitsu. I was uh I just gotten my blue belt and um I was training Muay Thai and I trained like six days a week. Dang. And then after my first or after my first heavyweight fight, I started going and going and training with like the bigger guys out in Virginia Beach and stuff like that, just other local amateurs. And I was getting pushed around by a lot of them, which led me to crossfitting because, you know, bench press, leg press, leg curls, bicep curls just weren't doing it for me. I yeah, wasn't getting yeah. strong. Right. I was still overweight. I actually was still smoking cigarettes at the time. Mm. I was still that life drinking, partying, being crazy. And then uh, I'm sorry, this definitely isn't a nutshell. I apologize. No, no. It's okay. So, uh, I started losing weight through CrossFitting and stuff like that, and I obviously found a love for that too. And then through CrossFitting and training, still I went down to light heavyweight, and then I started smashing dudes. Like I'm talking yeah. stop 205, right? Light yeah, heavyweight fighting 205. 205. Yeah, so I walk around about 225, and I would cut to 205, but I was smashing dudes and stopping them within like a minute and a half, two minutes. Like I don't know if you guys have ever seen like my flicks. On yeah, YouTube. I've, I've, yeah, I've seen yeah. it. I've I, I stalk it. I yeah, watched yeah. it. I, <laughs> so I, I learned something. I was yeah. pretty good. Like I was pretty yeah. good as an MMA fighter. And, and I, I don't talk about it very often, but I, I was legit. And um, I would fully attribute that to like my strength and conditioning through CrossFit. Yeah. And I didn't, then I trained really, really hard. And then um, Noah was born and we got to this place where I really, really, really love training CrossFit. Yeah. And getting punched in the face every single day, just being, being beat up, balancing a 12-hour day job. And at the time, like a one and two year old, I just decided it wasn't a thing. And then um, ended up going through some really bad marital stuff. And then through that process, I decided that I want to per pursue a business endeavor as a CrossFit coach. Yeah. I started training the fight team. Well, I kind of ran the fight team, like ju just the MMA side, and actually had stopped training a lot of uh, gi jujitsu. I was mostly doing no gi stuff, a lot of the MMA, like hand fighting, wrestling, catch wrestling type stuff. And then that led to me essentially taking over the strength and conditioning for the fight team. And through that, some of the parents started seeing it. Some of the parents were like, what are you guys doing? Like, it looks pretty fun. And then I started yeah. training some of the parents. And then eventually it came to a place where, like, uh, I approached Greg, who was my MMA coach. And I was like, what do you think about me starting a CrossFit program at the second story? Because we were in a two-story building. And the second story was essentially storage. And he was like, let's do it. So like, we're like. Swinging kettlebells, dropping bar <laughs> dropping barbells upstairs. We're going through the floor. Like, it was no crazy. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, ask, ask Van about it. He always talks about, like, they don't know about not being able to drop from overhead. Because, I mean, we would do, like, a 225 clean and jerk and couldn't put the bar or couldn't drop the bar. You had to control it to your hip and then down, That's right? funny. I mean, all things considered, we probably just developed some insane, like, eccentric strength. Oh, yeah, that. yeah. I was about to say. But I got to where, like, I really enjoyed crossfitting, started competing, and I was going through this bad marital stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm going to hang up the the fighting hat and I'm just going to pursue CrossFitting. And that's when I essentially stopped doing, um, I mean, throughout that time I had done some golden gloves boxing. I had fought in a couple smokers. Um, the smokers were like Muay Thai only. I'd done a bunch of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu tournaments. I had, I had, I had eight fights. My last fight that I had was when I had dropped down to 185 and yeah, that's had, had won that belt. Yeah. I got 186 van actually. So we weighed in, at this bar that had like an, a second story like stage above the bar and you would weigh in on the scale in front of that. Well, like I was so drawn out, I had to like get naked. So Van and my buddy Paul had to hold a towel so I could step on the scale in wow. front of the bar and, and weigh in. And then when we got in the car, 
um, Van and Paul like literally hit me with IVs and put the um, what you call it, put the IV bag in home yeah, from like I, the clothes I hanger. The yeah, story, because yeah. I was so drawn out. So I went from being 186 to 214 and um, smashed that guy. And then essentially that was my last fight. And then that was when you won the belt, right? I think I saw the uh, that was the 185 belt. So I was already, I had already held the belt at 205 in two different organizations in the area and. I dropped down to 185 and won a belt at a new organization that had came into the area. They had this huge event. They called it EFC, and they wanted me to headline it. What did EFC stand for? Um, Elite Fighting Championship okay. or something. I actually think they're pretty big now, and they probably they? they only do professional fights now. So I'd beat up a lot of the amateur guys, and the only there was one guy that maybe be that maybe could have challenged me, and he wouldn't fight me. He just would dodge me. So essentially, it was like, all right, Cody, you need to go pro, right? You either need to go pro or you need to handle your life stuff. And I was like, all right, I'm going to hang this up and I'm going to pursue CrossFitting. So, I mean, you know, fast forward a few years, met my wife, grew the gym, became a serial entrepreneur, entrepreneur, yeah, right. and, and now here I am. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool because uh, I, I wanted to ask that because I don't think we've ever, like, because it takes a special person to want to get punched in the face, first of mm -hmm. all, especially yeah. for fun. And so I was really looking forward to like hearing your story on why you did it, because I don't think I've ever heard you say why. Like I never knew Paul put you in a guillotine and almost choked you out. No. <laughs> now when he gets here, I'm gonna be like, Paul is get on the mat. <laughs> Camo shorts on and a wife beater Bro, and choked me out. <laughs> and you had the tribal arm tattoo. I had. A, I did not have the tribal yet. You though. didn't have the no, tribal yet. No, no tribal. Oh I was triballess. <laughs> yeah. No comment here. <laughs> John yeah, I, went to. Yeah, I don't John know what you're talking about. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Well, I'm glad you went the CrossFit route because you've changed a lot of lives with it. Yeah. Oh, man, thank you. So, uh, Cody, what can you tell me about some tips for the jiu-jitsu strength training and nutrition? Wow, that's one of those. I, I, I saw that, and that's one of those it depends type questions. Yeah. Um, it, it, generally speaking, <clears throat> I think, and this is, Travis, you and I have actually had a conversation about yeah. this recently. This is something I'm going to jump into a little bit, little bit later down the road because a, a simple Google search of like strength training for a jiu-jitsu practitioner, there's nothing. And if it is something, nothing. it's like a jiu-jitsu guy trying to say what a jiu-jitsu guy should do. Right. It's not a specialist or somebody who like I, I religiously study literature and scientific research on like how to build a stronger person nonstop. So there's, there's nobody who does that that is around currently. And if you listen to this and you steal my idea, I'm going to hunt you down and choke <laughs> you out. But, but what I'm saying is like nobody, there's nobody out there putting out information. Like, could you imagine if there was like a website that you could go to and get workouts, download workouts, get eBooks, look at like a, a workout of the day for jujitsu. Yeah. And it's from a jujitsu guy that is a specialist in strength conditioning. Yeah. You know, like imagine what that would look like. So as far as like tips and stuff from there, I think that a jujitsu practitioner should do a CrossFit like, style of training maybe dialing back some of the intensity and focusing more on compound-based movements like yeah. deadlifting squatting benching. you should be doing a lot of pulling and 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 I, when i say pulling i'm not talking vertical pulling i'm talking more horizontal yeah. pulling so things like bent over rows reverse get bent over rows landmine rows dumbbell rows like any variation that you can do some sort of horizontal pull is going to be great because what do we do in jiu-jitsu non-stop pull, it's pull. pulling yeah you pull collars Lapel. Pulling, core training, uh, mm -hmm. balance work, yep. grip training, a lot of strongman bias stuff because we yep. do things. We lift people in odd positions. Yep. We, you need to do anti-rotational, anti-movement. Um, you need to do rotational training. Like, there's so many facets of what, man, it's perfect. There's so many facets of like what a jujitsu practitioner could benefit from, mm -hmm. and it's just not out there. It, like the workouts that I used to find when I got into jujitsu, like to get stronger. 
was always like bodybuilding stuff. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, well, because yeah. bodybuilding still plays into it. Like a bicep curl it can still be somewhat put into jujitsu. You know, it what could, I mean? it, it just could, but it shouldn't be the primary. No, yeah, absolutely. And but these programs were like revolving around bodybuilding and not enough around these. Like, I'm gonna say functional training, but that's gonna be like I just I just talked about that pretty extensively too. Like, functional training is gonna be relying on what that person's function is. Yeah. When I say functional training, just things that are going to mimic their function. And I just think a bicep curl is such a small piece of it, unless you're going to do like an isometric bicep curl when you're just holding that for a period of time, yeah. which could be a thing too. And these are all ideas that I have as far as like, how would I build a program? For yeah, don't give away effect? everything. You're great yeah. ideas because I've yeah. done these searches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I couldn't there's find nothing. anything except animal movement. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's not going to work. There, there's a thing that um, Salo and Shanji Ribeiro have called gen- gymnastica something, but it's like, it's like calisthenic body weight yoga style stuff, but it's strength training. And it's not because like if you're going to get stronger, really, if we're talking about like how to develop real strength, you have to go get some sort of resistance. Yeah. It has to be your body overcoming a load or resistance. Right, right. Well, how are you going to do that when you just at a certain point, your body's going to adapt to your yep. body weight. It's Absolutely. just how it is. Which Can you get a good, a good level of health and fitness from that? Absolutely. But if you're trying to develop a high level of strength that is going to be relative to making you a better jujitsu practitioner. These are the things and the principles that you have to surround your training with. Yeah. And John, you get a good amount of that from CrossFit, and so do you, Travis, which is why you, pro- you guys probably do better than most as far as like lasting longer, being able to hold things for much longer. Yeah. But I think there's a certain – there's like – if you think of it like a, like a scale, like you got the two sides, right? There's a certain point where too much intensity for like a jiu-jitsu person is too much because I think there's a certain level of conditioning that you need and then once you attain that, you have to make sure that you're maintaining your strength levels too. Yeah. And when you're when you're very versed in one level of conditioning, Absolutely. you're going to give up strength. And when you yeah. work only on strength, you give up conditioning. I think there needs to be a balance there, and it's something that I am interested and intrigued on. I was I was talking to my business coach about this two weeks ago, and he was like, you know, because I always have like a thousand yeah, ideas. Yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. nerding out on yeah, him. Yeah, He's yeah, like, yeah. okay, okay, just write it He's down. Like, I got it. He's like, write it down. <laughs> He's like, why don't you make a voice memo? There's literally a, there's literally a voice memo on my phone, just reminding me of these principles yeah. and these things because. I'm telling you, I'm going to launch it. And uh, I even thought, I was thinking big picture the other day, like who would I reach out to that's a big time practitioner and say, I'm going to give you this program. I just want you to talk about it. I know it's going to be good. I'm very confident in what I do. So it's like, can I get the right people to talk about it so that I can get it in the hands of more jujitsu practitioners to finally give them something Uh to do outside of the gym? Yeah. No, I think it's such a great idea. We talked about it for probably about, what, 30, 45 minutes Mm -hmm. the other day at the gym. And uh, because I was thinking like, I would love to write programming for someone that wants to get better at jujitsu because I feel obviously strength is a huge part of jujitsu, right? Like you can have flexibility and, but you also need strength, right? Yeah. Like you, you need to be able to hold uh, like static positions. You need to be able to have good core strength. You need to be able to pull something or break a grip or something like that. And you're not going to do that with just straight yoga yeah. or calisthenics or something like that. You Which know I'm I mean? going through right now. You know, I did the CrossFit pretty regularly. Then went to the jiu-jitsu. Didn't think I could do both. So I stopped with the CrossFit after the stroke. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed over the last six, seven months, I progressively noticed my game getting weaker in jiu-jitsu because I stopped the CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. and, and here's, here's what people say about that, right? They're like, that means you didn't rely on your technique. But here's, here's where that's flawed and that's wrong. And, and what I like, I'll argue all day with somebody about this. I don't care if you're yeah. a 62-stripe black belt. I'm going to tell you that you're, you're full of crap because when a person is strong, and then they are the same level or they know jujitsu and they're going against a person that's not strong. The strong person is either going to balance it out and give them fits 
or they're going to win. Agree. Yeah. Like Absolutely. I have beaten so many people, or I'm going to say beat, but I have submitted tons of belts that are over me here, Virginia, doesn't matter. And I've been doing it for years because I've always prioritized my strength training. I've yep. always prioritized my conditioning. Yeah. Either I outlast them and, and submit them when they're fatigued, or I submit them surely out of, I have okay tech. Well, back then I had okay technique. My technique is a lot better now. Yeah. But I'm also stronger now. Back then I had okay technique. I didn't rely on just strength, but just by, like, if I grab somebody by the lapel and I stiff arm and I just hold moving. them there, they're not moving. And it's not that, like, oh, I'm so strong. Like, Phil over, Phil's stronger than me, right? But I'm still able to hold him there because there's a certain level of strength that allows me to hold that position yep. plus my technique. So th that maybe used to be true of like techniques going to overcome anything. That was true when the other person didn't know jujitsu. Right. Yeah. Now, if you have a basic understanding of the principles and concepts behind jujitsu, absolutely, you're going to beat that person that doesn't train. Just yeah. Plain and simple. Absolutely. And that's that's the thing that I, I feel like I'm overcoming the most right now is uh, I don't want to be reliant on my strength. You know what I mean? And Billy, Billy talks about it with me because Billy is a 55-year-old man. We talk about him all the time. He's yeah. going to be on the podcast next week. He'll, we be, a, he'll be a good show. He's going to be a great show. He's going to show up with an index card. I, already told I, you that. I cannot wait, yeah. right? <laughs> but like I said, like he's an older gentleman, incredible mobility and flexibility, right? But he's like, he's like, look, man, don't feel bad about having strength. He's like, I have mobility. I can't turn off my mobility and flexibility. You can't turn off your strength. He's right. like, all you can do is just harness it, you know, just try to uh, apply it in a better way, in a more efficient way, instead of trying to rip someone's <laughs> shoulder right. or something like that, you know? So. Right. It's like, uh, I like to think of it like the Johnny Schenkel used to say with Olympic lifting, is it's controlled aggression. Yeah. So you, you control it until you need to explode. Like, yeah. there, there's a lot of times, sometimes we're like, I'll, I will make a burst or an explosion. And for a second, I'm like, oh man, maybe I use too much strength. But it's just me moving fast. Yeah. Me yeah. moving fast doesn't mean that I'm trying to. You can definitely tell the difference. If I'm in a competition, I'm going to try to rip somebody's head off and I'm going to give it everything. Yeah. But in, in training, because I use it for such a mental, like I, I actually use jiu-jitsu for like mental health for me. Like because I use jiu-jitsu in that manner, me bur I, I can know in my own mind and how I am that I am not bursting to use strength. I am bursting simply because that is the art of jiu-jitsu that I am using at that current time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit of uh, how it's like therapeutic for you and like meditative. Mm -hmm. And what's what is your attitude? And I, I think we use mindset a lot. But yeah. like what is like your attitude and mindset of when you start? You know what I mean? Like when when you're getting on the mat, what's going through his mind? What's going through your mind? Like because obviously, like you said, it's a lot of it is just where does my hand go and whatnot. But like in between or before you roll with someone or spar with someone and you know who they are, mm -hmm. are you thinking of like, well, I know that they like to pass left, so I'm going to, I'm going to hold them left or hold them right or whatever. And then me, like, so you're talking me now, or are you talking like me when I started? Well, right for, for this question right now. And then I was going to get into, well, when you first started, <laughs> what yeah. would you tell them now that you know, when you, your, your white belt, Cody Smith don't know nothing, you know what I mean? But as of right now, how do you see things and what would you tell your white belt self? So I would tell my white belt self to, to be patient and enjoy my time. Yeah. Because here's what people do, and, and I was guilty of this. A lot of people are guilty of this. They start jujitsu, and the first thing they think is, how quickly can I get the black belt? Yeah. How quickly can I do that? And then there's this, like, technique-chasing thing where, like, you're watching YouTube nonstop. Yeah. I'm going to do that and that and that, <laughs> yeah. and that and that and that and that. Like, you can, you can learn any amount of moves you want, but if you don't know how to apply the concepts and the principles, You'll just be a movement collector instead of 
learning how to, through principles, lace different movements together. To yeah. know that A1 goes to A2, but A2 could also go to B, could go to B1, could go to B2. Like, to know, like, I posted that flow chart on the Instagram for the gym the other day. Yeah. Like, that's literally what goes on inside of a higher level jujitsu person's mind is, like, I know, because I know this entire web and this entire flow, I know that this movement's going to send me here. So what I would tell my younger self is just be more patient with the growth of jujitsu and grow the correct way. Because if you rush that, like, I just think there's a prerequisite amount of time that every person should spend. And I don't know what that time is. It's going to be different from person to person. But I believe that there's a prerequisite amount of time that a person should spend learning the art, learning the fundamentals and the concepts, and then learning how to move. And actually, I'm pretty against like a white belt competing to to do competitions. I don't think because you see sometimes like schools will use competition as like a means to rank somebody. I don't think you learn anything in competition. You learn how to go crazy. (laughs) Like the the jujitsu competitions now are crazy. Yeah, that's I don't even think it's jujitsu. Yeah, it's strength. It's explosion. It's jumping. It's crazy. It's fast paced. I think actually, and, and. Maybe there's a high-level jujitsu person that wants to argue with this about me, but I think it's it's a it's a it's a sideshow thing. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't think that competition for jujitsu at a certain level is worth anything. Yeah. So I would tell my younger self, long story short, to just be patient and to take my time. Yeah. Because I always tried to rush it, and I would rush it and take five steps forward, and because I didn't learn the principles and the concepts, and I didn't learn how to do simple things like, okay, I feel that pressure. Like if I'm gonna do an elbow escape. I feel that he is going to either jump off and go knee to belly or he's going to lean forward slightly to reach into my collar or to do a, to do a head wrap. And instead of toning in and trying to feel that to know I can elbow escape, I would try to do some crazy move I, showed, I saw on YouTube. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, I, and, I, and I completely miss the pressure and the, the, the feeling of what certain positions feel like. And uh, I don't, so I don't do that anymore. So that's why I know that like, that's what I would tell myself because now I really try to think, <clears throat> I'll try to, reverse engineer everything everybody's doing all the time. Yeah. And I actually don't focus so much on winning, winning in training anymore. It's like, um, it, it's yeah, like, same. it's like, what did I gain today? And, and lately for me, it's like, I'm trying different things. I'm getting out of my comfort zone. I'm playing possum a lot. I'm letting somebody start in a more dominant position because I'm very confident in a dominant position but I'm not very confident in a playing possum position because yeah. I'm never there right? unless I allow myself to be. So that's something that, so I would tell myself to be patient, long story short, and to take my time because there's no rush. Just take your time. There's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's zero. Like, like you said, if, if you rush it, you're probably going to miss something. I hate you're, the possum position. Yeah. I don't, I, even, I don't even know how to start. But you're, lear- but you're learning stuff. From that. You really are. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, because, because you're going to play possum against a guy like me or – no, I mean, I don't Ow. know how to attack someone when they're laying in the possum position. Oh. I'm like, uh, <laughs> in, in Japan, you just threw me yeah, off. Yeah. In Japan, <laughs> why aren't you fighting back? Yeah, yeah I'm like, yeah. Uh. it's like, is it something wrong? Like, I think yeah. it's because I base my decisions on what you're doing. Right. And when you're not yeah. doing anything, it throws me all off. We, we so when I co- say possum, though, I'm not saying like I lay there dead. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't attack. Right. Yeah. You yeah. let them come to you. Correct. So we the first experience that John and I both got with that, uh, because before we went to Japan, it was pretty much you george and professor right and all you guys were aggressive you know they're like i was like i, I had a neon belly before i even realized it you know what i mean <laughs> so but when we got to japan the first time we were rolling with like the purples browns they were they would sit there and i'm like um <laughs> are we are we gonna do this yeah. like we've already slapped and you know bumped fist and then i would go to grab collar and also i'm getting tapped you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like so I didn't uh, see the trap. Yeah, I didn't see it, dang it. Right, and it was because I was so worried about like 
pushing forward and trying to get something and they they were just they're like i know exactly what you're going to do yeah. i'm going to let you get to that position and then boom you know and to tell you the truth the thing that probably changed my game the most was watching john because as a older gentleman he would get on the bottom and he wouldn't get tapped he would just sit there and defend the whole time john does like, survive he does I and i, I was survive. <laughs> and so i would be getting caught in arm bars you would get me in a darce like once a week yeah. you know what i mean maybe two three times in a <laughs> roll you know <laughs> and it, i started like watching john seriously like what is he doing that he is surviving all these guys that i'm not doing right like i and it was he was just relaxed like he would get on his back and he's like all right well i guess i'll just hang out here until i can get out of it and then towards the end of japan is when i really i really started just hanging out mm -hmm. like hey man if i get in a bad position there's no reason to to put myself in a worse position, just yeah. hang out and just see what happens. You know what Elio Gracie said that a long time ago that I really loved, and um, it, it, it's like it's kind of like to me it's like this crazy like voodoo voodoo like Buddhist type of like thought. But he's like, when I start a match with my opponent, I immediately start taking their energy, and I don't think that that means like he's demolishing them. I think what he means by that is he relaxes and he's patient. Yeah, because like if you rush it, if you rush anything, nutrition, training, jujitsu, life, uh, relationships, like if you rush anything, eventually something is going to break because yeah. you didn't allow it to grow organically. Yeah. So why I love that so much and, and what, John, you're gaining right now is the ability to just relax and to move. That's going to pay huge dividends. Because, and, and I said this to, to um, Mike at the gym also when we first started. He was like, I feel like I'm just always getting beat. And I'm like, you're not going to be able to feel that contrast until you go with somebody who's new at the gym. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you're like, oh, wow, like all of that, me getting the crap kicked out of myself has really paid dividends with how my jujitsu is and how I am as a practitioner now because I'm so used to being in a surviving position that I'm so good at surviving that now that I can attack. Yeah. And it's a hard concept for people to hear when they first start. Yeah. Yeah. And we definitely mentioned that as well when we got to Japan, because Japan was the first time that we, like, trained someone outside of our school. That was and, interesting. And they, I'm not even going to lie to you, like, those guys were so legit out there. It was incredible. Yeah. Like, their knowledge, their technique and stuff. It was it was awesome. Great experience. Um, But I would attribute, like, why we did so well out there is because we did roll against you, right? And, like, we did roll against Professor and George when he was a blue belt and George, you know, is a very high level, now is a purple belt, mm -hmm. and he's a very high level technical guy. And we would just get our butts kicked all, every day, right? Mm -hmm. Every time we'd roll. And uh, so when we got to Japan and we started rolling with newer white belts, I was like, I was like, well, I'm so used to Cody just <laughs> smashing me. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of yeah. know a little bit, but, it, and once again, it goes to watching John and seeing how he works. And it was a, it was a big eye opener, you know, and then coming back and it was like, well. Well, I think the CrossFit background, too. We heard a lot while we were over there. That we're me and strong. Him were really stronger than everyone yeah. else there. They yeah. mentioned it every time. And yep. Even when I, I went. I still get it today. Like, Well, I just went and rolled, you know, at a different gym in town. And when I was rolling there, you know, uh, one of the black belts kept talking to me after the matches. And he was like, you know, you just got to gotta slow down a little. And But I was really, that was really not me going. Yeah. My that's That yeah. wasn't me going like a lot. That was kind of average yeah. for me at our gym. So. Yeah. I don't know if that's a difference where for some places if I just don't know if it, the CrossFit has just made it where our halfway is a little. Yeah. Well, when Professor Allen came here, that's what he, you, I don't know if you guys remember him saying mm -hmm. that, but he's like, you guys are all so strong. You guys are going to be all so legit. And, it's, and, and this goes even more to like my thought on, on what a jujitsu person should do for training, because you guys are living. You guys are living proof of like what a strong person with jujitsu feels like. Yeah. Who's good with technique, 
and who is also strong oh, and you conditioned. Say I'm good with technique. Oh. I mean, <laughs> slightly above average. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean, though. Yeah, like absolutely. you guys have a level of technique that is that is um, that definitely plays in as one and is 100% applicable to your strength and your conditioning. And when those things work together, you feel like you need to quote unquote slow down. When yeah. really you're like you said. Yeah, I'm just kind of going like normal. I'm not really pushing too much. Yeah, that's like the situation with you in Japan, right? It's like he got yelled at by a higher belt because uh, they thought he was going super hard on them. And he's like, he's like, I was literally going like 30, 40%. Like I was just flowing with it and whatnot. And it's probably because stronger guy, older guy, right? And then some ego got in the way and whatnot too. But it, we talk about how our, our 40% could be someone's 110% or yep. it could be someone's 80%. You know what I mean? Like, we just don't know. We try to be aware of it. Yeah, I try to be aware of it. And it, we talked about it, too. Like, I, I really need to just at the beginning of roles. It's kind of like, hey, if at any point, like, you feel like I'm going too hard, let, just let me know. And yeah. I can I can back off. Like, it's, I, it, I don't have to go hard. It's to just me, too hard is kind of weird because you can always tap. I don't know if there is a too hard. Yeah, you, you talk about that all the time. Like, like, like is there really? Feeling over, you know. Yeah. So here's here, like with all that, this is what I this is what I believe to be true, right? So there, usually a person can feel like when a when a lower belt is really going at them, yeah, oh, absolutely. like really wants it, yep. like 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 you said something before about the dog, like the dog with the treat, right, yep. or a dog with a toy, like that. When a person doesn't do like any sort of any sort of strength training and they're going at it. I think that feels a lot like to a a upper belt. That feels a lot like what just a stronger person with skills feels like. Yeah. So because those two things are blurred and there's not a lot of strength training inside of jujitsu, because because there's not a lot of that, and this upper belt feels that he's confused because he he sees the two things and he thinks they're the same thing and they're not. Yeah. Because you're just a strong guy with skills. That's it. And. I think there's this paradigm that people have to understand that, um, especially people that are outside the strength and conditioning community, that when you're going with somebody that's strong and, and conditioned, it's going to feel like a, per, a white belt who's got their dog toy. Yeah. You know, when it's that, right. it's actually not it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, and uh, I think, I think, like, strength, strength is awesome, man. Like, I love, like, I tell you t- before, like, I've never been the strong guy before, and, like, when people tell me, like, you need a, you're strong or whatever, it's it's weird, you know, because really I'm just trying to <laughs> just do my the stuff that you told me to do, but yeah. it's you know it's it's just it's 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 kind of weird to have have that conversation with people and multiple times having the conversation. And, with and just inside of our gym and other gyms you've been to, how many of those guys are actually conditioned? No, that's yeah, that's that's true, right? Not, so no. I went to I went to a Henzo Gracie school in Portland, and uh, I rolled with uh, a larger black or uh, blue belt. And uh, after the role, he's like, hey, man, he's like, you, you know, you're, you're pretty good. He's like, I would just I would just tell you to calm down. You don't need to be so sporadic. I'm like, dude, I literally was. <laughs> like, like, yeah. And this was like us doing jujitsu at like four or five months. Right. Yeah. So I probably was a little sporadic, but it definitely uh, not as bad as he thought it was. And, and go to your point. It's like maybe he confuses the two of. You know the dog with the treat, and like he's just going for like it. Shaking your head, yeah, back just and shaking forth. the head back and <laughs> forth. But you know, I don't know. Yeah. So speaking speaking of like uh, positions and stuff like that, and wh- wh- what's your like favorite? Like, what is your go to position? Like, if you get that, it's and, and the defense too. Yeah, it. and the defense, and how often do you no. go to it? What are the cues that go into it so we can see this? Uh, <laughs> there's like three questions in there. <laughs> so question one was what my favorite position was. Yeah, like what's your favorite position? 
<laughs> I said something inappropriate a minute ago. <laughs> Is this an explicit podcast? Yeah, no, it's not. No, it's okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm a big fan of the knee on belly side body combination. I, I, I can attest to that. Yeah, I yeah. can agree with that. If you had asked me like five, six years ago before I started jiu-jitsu again, I told you the guard. Um, but now I really feel at home in side body, and I really I'll stay there sometimes and attack just because I feel so comfortable there. I like the mobility that you have when you're in side oh, body yeah. and knee on belly because I can jump from side to side. I can go north south. Um, I can toriando go around the other side. Like there's so there's so many options available to you. You can attack collar choke. You can go you can go far side armbar, wrist locks, kimuras, step over triangles, step over. One of my favorite combinations you talked about this was like stepping over, getting you to push my arm back, and then either jumping to arm triangle or dars. So we're talking there's three outlets there. Yep, yep. Or I could reverse triangle you from you not pushing my leg back. Yeah. So there's 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 so many options available to me on side body. Um, what was the second one? What's the defense to that? Yeah, I, you don't have to tell us. No, <laughs> I, I was just teasing you. Yeah, on that one. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so one of the guys that we follow, uh, Roy Dean, mm-hmm. his professor is Roy Harris. And he's a fourth degree black belt. And uh, he talks about side control. And he's like, the side control is probably the most dominant position. Oh, he's yeah. like, his, he's like, because if you go for an Americana mm-hmm. and it fails, where are you at? You're still in side control. Yeah. If you go for a Kimura in side control and it fails, where are you at? You're still in the dominant position. Right. You know what I mean? So I started thinking about that. And John has a great side side control right now. Like he. He hugs me. There's a picture on Graham right now. I should have been on my toes. I saw that picture and I was like, I'm glad they posted it. My position was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I even said it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like it. I no, like but it. side control, man, that's it's a hard one to do, especially when someone locks you down or gets a meet. Dude, I'm telling you right now, Cody, your neon belly was like my kryptonite. <laughs> like, this is brutal. It was it was terrible. Yeah. You you would go neon belly on me and I'm like, I don't I think my soul is like over there you know what's funny about that too that. is that when i so you told me that that i should listen to the show and i just hadn't yet it, yeah. it's not that i like i mean I, I had already subscribed and and i actually unsubscribed and show you that i subscribed again yesterday so you could see it <laughs> but the neon belly when i do it to people still i don't know that i've actually done neon belly with the with the mission to be to apply a lot of pressure yeah it's like you usually my foot is still in the ground oh yeah yeah and, and the only person i've actually put neon belly on is phil and that's when he has me um in that lockdown position Dude, that lockdown position is and crazy. so i'll do far side neon belly and i'll literally grab his belt in the back of his collar and i'll pull him and i'll drive my knees the only way he lets go so if you guys are looking to get out of his lockdown position or, or if you get put in the lockdown position do a far side neon belly grab belt grab behind the behind the head to the collar and then do like Again, we talk about rowing. Do a row or a, or a lat pull and then drive the point of your knee into that person's sternum. They're going to let go mm. or they're going to want to tap out from the pressure. Yeah, you can literally don't. feel you can feel the life coming out of somebody's body. <laughs> I just re- this, and you know they don't want nothing more than to get that knee out of their chest. I just want to let you know, since Phil showed us the lockdown stuff back yeah. in the day. I go to lockdown all the time. You let I me down. Abs- I'm going to tap you out with a knee on the I chest. I <laughs> <laughs> You go there, and this is what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. Play, play you already know it's up. coming. Yeah, Phil won't even do it anymore. He won't even turn the into it. No, he he uh he he'll he, put it on and he'll film me step over and he's like, Whoop, and he let's go. Really <laughs> he's fast. like he's like he's like tapping on. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I uh I I got or Phil got me and uh Phil's one of our coaches. He's a blue belt at our gym. Also, if you guys don't know who he is, but uh he's a larger man, five hundred pound back squat, five hundred pound deadlift, five hundred pound everything, just five hundred pound everything. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just you like touch him, you're like, all right, this guy's legitimately just solid. You know, there's like he basically grabbed a very wall. solid. Yeah. yeah, but so he would he would get those behemoth of legs of around your leg in a lockdown position, 
And he went for an electric chair one day on me. And instead of doing an electric chair, he gave me a calf slicer. He squeezed <laughs> so hard. Dude, I was like, I was like, I'm, yeah. it's not my groin. It's my, <laughs> it's, it's my calf. It hurts so bad. It hurts yeah. so bad. So. Yeah. So what do you what do you feel like your go to move is then if it mm. if it do you think it's the side control to to the variations that you have or uh, yeah I, I see you doing a lot of lapel stuff right now yeah I have a chain of things that I do uh, I mainly like side control my my and and this is this is even more my point on like why you should be patient why you should do fundamentals and concepts and learn the beginner stuff because literally my go to right now is a far side armbar from side control or a bread cutter choke from from the side body it's simple it's simplistic yeah or getting uh, my other go-to recently is coming from that. And I don't know if you guys remember, I showed it a long time ago, the mission control position. Mm -hmm. So going from mission control to like a smash pass and then finishing a bread cutter coming out of the smash pass is like my go-to right now. And it's, it's simplistic. There's nothing fancy. Like this is, this is probably the only issue I have with a lot of coaching um, is that sometimes we show too much advanced stuff. Yeah. You know, like why doesn't everybody we'll go know? over that too? Yeah, like, and I actually, when you guys talked about it, I was like, you're right, because it was like, even us, we're guilty of it. We have a competition class, but our Monday class says it's beginner, advanced, mixed. It's not. Like, we should be showing, and, and, and it's not like I'm going to go and coach it, and, and Al is so much more smart than me, so I'm yeah. sure he has an amazing plan. That dude is, is thinks of everything. Um, but if there's one thing I think every school could probably do a little bit better, is always reestablish fundamentals and concepts. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Like, like you shouldn't learn how to do any sort of rolling anything or any sort of jumping anything until you know how to properly do a three-step triangle or a three-step armbar or an Americana or a straight arm lock. Yeah. Like you shouldn't or a or a armbar from mount. We we're talking after the competition and the question was posed like where are we weak at? And I was like hip, hip escape, elbow escape, how to escape a headlock, things that you should learn day one, right? And it, well, it's because like we have such a small school, we don't have the ability to run like a fundamentals class yeah, per se. Yeah, I agreed. So it's like, if I think as we develop as a school and we get a little bit bigger and we get more coaches on board, we can start to break off and do that. I, I would love it if we, so I like think of it like with our gym, like with our coaching staff, when we do a meeting, I call it the meeting poll. Like the meeting poll should be rhythmic. It should be something that we, we meet fairly often in a good rhythmic matter, right? I think there should be a rhythmic approach to learning fundamentals in jujitsu, the same way we teach the air squat all the time, the same way we teach how to do things in CrossFit fundamentally yep. all the time. I think all jujitsu schools can do that. But jujitsu as a whole is a lot like, I always talk about, man, this line of kugels is getting me with this burps. Oh, man. I know, man. We got real beer downstairs yeah. after this if you want some. This is the real beer. <laughs> um, so I, I look at like all of these traditional martial arts. So with jujitsu in business, with jujitsu as a sport, with boxing, they all have this thing of like, my sensei does this, so this is how I'm going to teach later on. Or my black belt taught this way, I'm going to teach his method. Yeah. Whereas like they haven't evolved to being like, like Bruce Lee like was a, such a forward thinker because he's like, my style is like the style without styles, the, the art of fighting without fighting. I see something I want, I use it. If it doesn't work, I discard it. Yeah. I think with jujitsu, we should be doing the same things, right? Instead of just teaching... Instead of just teaching jujitsu the way it's always been taught by our person, I think it needs to be like a hybrid of that, of like, what does my school need? What does our member base need? What, how can I always reapproach and evolve my level of teaching and coaching and yeah. how I even present something? Because I think sometimes as a whole, like I've gone to some seminars where like, 
they'll do a whole bunch of technique and they'd be like, you good, you good? Okay, go ahead and try it. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me? I feel me? like that in class. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, like but, <laughs> and, and if there's something I feel that every jujitsu teacher can do is, and sometimes I feel like I could go to some of the old jujitsu schools that I used to go to and teach their coaches how to coach. But because old traditional ways are because I'm just a purple belt, I can't tell a black belt yeah. how to do their job better. And I, and I get there's a, this whole respect tradition factor. But the fact of the matter is, is there's a lot of coaches out there. There's a lot of teachers, a lot of professors that could learn how to articulate their message and their techniques better. Yeah. And in a better, more slowed down step-by-step process. So that instead of the high achiever jujitsu students in all these schools, the lowest person could also understand the same way the Absolutely. highest person did. Yeah. Maybe it's a little slow for the higher person, but what if they, they get a thorough, a more thorough grasp or understanding of that technique and the beginner gets something amazing to where they can do it on their own too. Yeah. You know, and the old school way of thought is like, jujitsu's always been taught this way, so it's going to be taught this way. Boxing's always been done this way. Like boxers never do any sort of strength training or anything like that. It's mitts, sparring, bag work, and running. They're completely against weight training. I try to, I try to train our, a couple of the professional boxers at my old school like when, I, when we had a boxing program for a little bit, I try to present, like, let me do their strength conditioning for free. Let me do it. And the coach is like, no, it's going to make them bulky and slow. And I'm like, <laughs> like you just haven't caught up to it. And I yeah. think, but I think that's also jujitsu too, like how they teach, how they approach, how they, a lot of them don't do strength training. Could you imagine some of these massively, um, like these dudes that <laughs> right. are like the Mendez brothers, if those guys train strength and conditioning and they were strong, and they were, like, they're already technical monsters. Could you imagine if they were technical monsters and they were strong? They had a core fundamental understanding of strength and Correct. conditioning. Like, Correct. And they could express it. Yeah. You know, like, they, they do amazing techniques. What if they did that amazing technique and their positions were solid? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that would be such a different thing. So, um, on that line, being open to evolution is something, uh, I don't even know how we got on this rant, but, like, being open to evolution is something that every jiu-jitsu school Every jujitsu coach, every jujitsu professor, and here I am, a little purple belt. What do I know? I know coaching more than yeah. half of the world does, a lot better than they do, and I really feel that's something that all of them can benefit from. That's yeah. a that's a yeah. good uh, comment on the belts because when I promote, you know, the gym and I have people ask me, "Well, who's, what belt are you? Yeah. Well, who's coaching and what is their belt level?" Yeah, I, I, that's like the first thing they ask me. Instead of yeah. how do they present their information? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what, it, what I forget what movie it is. I always screw this up. I always butcher this. But like, the gist of it is, is like, like you could teach somebody as long as you're a chapter ahead of them in the book. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, and and you actually retain it a little bit. So me coaching and running jujitsu when we first opened made me better than I've ever been at jujitsu. Because how do you learn something? You learn it. You read it first. You do it, or you teach it. Yep. I think there's one more, and I forget what it is. But essentially, I got to learn something three times. Right. Yeah. Every single time I did it. And, and I actually see that now. And it's why I've actually started doing the 1230 a lot and like being there to coach it because it allows me to get a deeper understanding of the techniques that I'm currently working. I literally just learn for myself and then I show Phil or Ashley or Thor when they're there during the day. Yeah. And it allows me to learn again. So on that note, like who cares what belt you are? Yeah, like, I, I always thought it was funny because I was like, are you kidding me? I'm getting destroyed. Like you can bring in a blue belt to coach me, and I will be happy to yeah. get it. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's just it's the traditional thought process. Yeah. Yeah, I, it actually really upsets me. Yeah. A there's lot. there's a, a Gordon Ryan. He's like a big name no gi guy, and he uh, he had an Instagram post, and um, it was like all world class black belts 
not all world class black belts are world class teachers. Like just because you hold the belt doesn't mean you know how to right. articulate your your technique or whatever. And it goes to like when we did our CrossFit level two. How many people have been doing CrossFit for years in that CrossFit level two? How many people were gym owners that couldn't explain how to do a proper air squat? Right. You know what I mean? And we're like sitting there like you literally have a hundred clients and you don't know what you're talking about. And when you get in front of people that know what they're talking about and you try to fake it, it's it, it's as plain as daylight. You know what I right. mean? So um, I, 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 I enjoy coaching. And like you said, like when now that I'm coaching again, like my technique's starting to get better, yeah. like in class, like CrossFit class, I don't coach jujitsu right um but like in our our jujitsu class they they kind of mention like hey if you're a white belt kind of lay low to the side don't don't be given technique and i understand right because you don't want you don't want i know i, fo- I found myself helping somebody out this yeah, morning I, know. I was like yeah. yeah so here on that note though like the, the the reason why that call was made is more often than not we're gonna a high percentage of people that are giving advice as white belts don't are giving the, are giving the wrong advice. Yeah, they don't know. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. Like yeah. I was about to say is like, which is completely understandable because we joke about it too. Yeah. Like, like I'm not giving. I'm just telling them like what it feels like to me. Like I, maybe like, elbows tight, this. elbows tight. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but it's, there's some things where yeah. I'm like, they're like, how does that feel? W- w- what can I fix? I'm like, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it, um, you said that though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like on, on some of the stuff we do, I have no idea. Like, yeah. I barely understand it as it is. Like, but. Uh, body awareness and body mechanics, I have a kind of a firm understanding with from yeah. the years of coaching and strength training and whatnot. So trying to trying to articulate that to someone without coaching them in class now is kind of like, well, I think you can pull me a little bit tighter. And yeah. then someone comes over like, I didn't say that. I didn't, I <laughs> you know what I'd like to see? I would like to see, um, instead of it just being like you go to a seminar and you learn more technique, what if there was a coaching seminar? So we're like, jiu-jitsu? yeah, so yeah. like, yeah, like that'd be good. That'd be it's not like it's always about technique. Go get this new technique. Go yeah. get this new style. Like, like what if there was a coaches professor development school where you go and you learn how to, um, so like th- like things that matter more than anything in the world is being able to read a person, being able to communicate well with them and read yeah. their body language. Um, but more than that, being able to tell stories and get them to buy in on what you're saying. Yeah, we'll get a deeper understanding for that person, right? So. What if there was a seminar, and, and you're, you still my idea. You know what's going to happen. So what if there was? What if there <laughs> I was, was about to say? Don't don't tell everything, <laughs> Cody. Don't tell everything. No, it is what it is. Yeah. I don't have enough time to do any of this stuff right now. But like, what if there was a seminar that would develop a coach and not teach them any technique? Because what, who, answer this question. Like, what if there was a coach that knew a hundred different techniques and couldn't articulate it well, or a person that knew ten techniques and could articulate them better than anybody? This sounds like our level two. Right. It sounds exactly like our level two because in our level two, there was there was zero movements that you shouldn't already know nine, as a coach. Nine foundational movements. The nine foundational functional movements of CrossFit is all we went over. There was nothing else. There was no like split jerk. It was just a s- simple jerk. It was I believe we went over a split jerk. They didn't even go into split jerks. They didn't even go in depth in technique for the movements. Just the basic understandings of can you tell a brand new person or even another experienced coach what they're doing wrong or how to do a simple movement right because if you can't get your message across it's going to get lost in the, in in the, you know on the way to them if you don't know what how to tell someone how to fix something or how to what is it we have the three the three uh methods of coaching or uh correcting it's visual, we have, verbal tactile yeah, yeah visual verbal tactile 
and it's the same thing for for jujitsu, right? We have a whole lot of visual technique. Or I would say it's mostly visual. I think it's mostly mostly visual, visual right? Mm-hmm. And then every now and then we get a little bit of verbal. Hey, move this here. I don't think I've ever had someone come over, put my hands in the right spot, or put my legs in the right spot for a tactile cue to let me know what it's supposed to feel like or where it's actually supposed to go. I, I've had George come over and grab mine and move. Oh, has right. he? But I think, Cody, you've done it a couple times, too. Yeah. yeah. That's the best way I learn. If I'm doing Tactile? it wrong, just put me in the right spot. Yeah. And then I'll, then I'll know where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, you'll know exactly what it feels like, yeah. where it's at, how I'm supposed to do this. You know what I mean? So yep. it, it's, I relate jujitsu because my core understanding of fitness, fitness is, coaching. is fitness coaching. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, And it, there's, there's so much parallel between the two. It's 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 easy to talk about CrossFit and then get passionate about it and then have the same passion for jujitsu because yeah. it's strength, technique, core understanding of body awareness and what you're supposed to be doing and when you're supposed to do it. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's literally back and forth. You know what I mean? So so when we first started jujitsu and I was I was running the gym and I was coaching by myself and then George came, I fully knew that I didn't have a very deep understanding of jujitsu. I had like blue belt level uh knowledge in jujitsu but where i think i excelled was how i explained it and how i broke it down the way that i presented it to the team every day and the way that we drilled it and the way that we would spar using it that's what i think we did really really well where we really benefited and really lucked out is al is great at articulating he what what he does that i can't do or i could never do was describe all the whys behind it. I could say, this technique works. You should put this there. This is how you should move your body to get to that position and place this there and place this there and place this there. He'll do that, place this there, place this there. This is why, because if you don't and you don't have the pressure here and you don't have your hand here and you don't do this little wrist tweak here. like I was just about to mention the wrist tweak. That's, that's ratchet. Li- yes, I the told ratchet him. strap. So that's the, that's that was the, the aha moment. That's the black me, belt level of being able to articulate that you can tell if that person's quality or not or if that person's a good coach or not. If they just ramble off technique and go, yeah. and you're you're left by yourself, then they're that they, they are a good level, but they're a novice coach. Yeah, they're and, a novice person at coaching it. And that was the moment for me where I was like, "Holy crap, man!" There's like so many nuances. Yeah, like if you guys don't know what we're talking about, when when you go to grab someone's grip, whether it's a sleeve, lapel, collar, whatever it is, their pants. If you grab them, turning, you know, turning, gripping the the material, put a little bit of a twist in your wrist, and it is so much stronger. Al showed us that, and I have never not gripped like that. If I get a grip on you, there's a twist in my wrist, like a monkey wrench. It's like, and it's a game changer. Like, it's so much harder to break a grip when they have that little bit extra in it. And I was, like, watching Cody's eyes wide open yeah, after I remember, he said that. I remember that, that too. Yeah, yeah, Cody was like. Cause now when I grab a Dang, person's that was a good one. <laughs> now when I grab a person's collar, they don't go anywhere. They don't. No, I, I grab. Gonna, I, you move when I let go. Yeah, I was about to yeah. say I grab people's sleeves, and I very rarely ever get anyone to break my my grips. You know what I mean? And I'm holding on for dear life too. I'm like I can't let this go. <laughs> I can't let this go. This is my toy right now. Yeah. So I stole your grip uh, collar move, and everyone winces when I do it. Now. Yeah. Like Did you go-to. have you have you experienced that yet? What's that? The baseball what what is it called the the knuckle it's uh oh what's you, the you watched it from roy harris right? yeah yeah roy harris but Where you get the hand real deep in the collar and you kind of turn it and the knuckles go into the side yeah right so here. you have your carotid right here and what and you have a nerve in your neck and what you do is you grab collar take all the slack out put the collarbone in between the two knuckles your pinky and your ring finger and then you turn your knuckles in towards that nerve yeah, that's in the hurts. neck i never done it oh 
No, I don't do that. Let me let me tell you, if you guys are at home, <laughs> you should try that on your significant other. Yeah, I'm just go, kidding, do go, not do that. Go grab your wife's collar right now. <laughs> yeah, so. or your or your husband. Yeah, or your husband. Yeah. Or you whatever. So all yeah. right, well, I think I think that's a that's a good episode. That was good. Man. How how long did we go? We we're at uh right now a little over an hour. Wow. So wow. time flies. Yeah. yeah, right. So hey, Cody, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today, man. Thanks for really having me. Appreciate it. Uh, we're definitely looking forward to having this one. There's a couple more people that we're uh, super ecstatic about having on. You are uh, definitely one of one of my top ones up there. So thank you for making hey, thanks the drive for having out me, here. man. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, definitely in the top five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't forget. It's to nice to be top five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like MySpace days. We're, we're on episode. We're on episode four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hey, I just want to say thanks again to Cody. Thanks for John for coming out. You guys have a good night. There's no oil checks here, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Later. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show today. I hope you got some value and some tools to take away to create yourself and create a life and engineer it to what you can be proud of. Now, do me a favor. Podcasts live, breathe, and die off of ratings and reviews on iTunes. So do me a favor before you go. Head on over to iTunes. Give me a five-star rating and review. Tell us something that you love about the podcast. Talk about guests that you want to have on. In general, we just want to get some feedback and know how this podcast is going and if it's helping people. Now, thank you, and we look forward to talking to you next time.